just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. In the previous podcast, I promised an extra one, and I promised a guest who we have, and that is a gentleman by the name of Trisden Reynolds. He is a radio guy from Kentucky. We'll talk more about that. He also has a uh, a podcast, which is the main reason Tristan is here today, because he asked me to be on his podcast uh, some months ago and uh, had such a good time, met him and his partner, and they're great people, and I thought it would be interesting to have Tristan back on the show. But his podcast is called Extreme Common Sense Podcast. Tristan, welcome to the Rational Boomer Podcast. I- I'm glad I could uh, return the invitation. Mike, thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a huge fan of everything that I see you doing. And that's another reason why you're here today. <laughs> <'Cause you're, laughs> I love the pats on the back. Thank you very much. The first question I have to ask you and the question that I know all my listeners um, would would want to know is, Trisden, where does that name come from? Is that some Kentucky thing or ironically enough i'm a california kid by heart and oh, my really? mom was a yeah mom was a bit of a hippie and you know this was 1979 when she was pregnant with me she was 17 years old and uh, i think she had heard the name tristan and thought you know i like that as a boy's name but the s sound isn't very masculine and i wonder how it would sound with a z in there so she just made me Trisden, and I'm, by most accounts, the first one. A few more have sprung up if you Google the name, but that was just something mom came up with in uh, the late 70s, probably after a joint and a couple uh, couple shots, and <laughs> here I am. Yeah, my, my, my folks uh, grew up in the 50s, and my name's Mike, like every other fucking human in the world. <laughs> I, I can go someplace, and somebody says, hey, Mike, and nine of us turn around, no matter where we are. <laughs> Um, well, uh, no, go ahead. Well, that's my middle name too. So I can relate to that as well. Yeah. I got a little of that. Well, just, uh, just, uh, uh, an idea of, of the difference in our age. You were born in 1979, correct? Born in 80, conceived in 79. Okay. Conceived in 79. In 79, 80, I was 18, uh, 19, 20 years old in that range. I was working at a shitty little radio station in Holbrook, Arizona. It was called KDJI. It was a 5,000-watt radio station in northern Arizona. Holbrook is between Flagstaff and Albuquerque, right in the middle. It's in. It was on the old Route 66, and it's in the middle of nowhere. I'm a I'm an urban kid with a Lutheran upbringing. This town was all Mormon and Navajo, so I fit in beautifully in this thing. And 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 the, <laughs> I'm only telling this because you could probably relate. Now the radio station I'm going down for my first radio station away from home, and it's basically a trailer. I'm not talking about a mobile home. I'm talking about a camper trailer <laughs> hooked to a cinder block building. Now the uh, the owner of the radio station was a 30 year old guy. Good guy, kind of a smart guy, Mormon guy. He had bought the station on payments from the former owner who'd owned it for a long time, who owned the music store in town. He had hired local people to run it, so nobody really knew how to be on the radio. 
and he brought in one guy from California who quit a really good job to come to Holbrook, Arizona, because it was his dream at 30 to be on the radio to make 600 bucks a month. So I, <laughs> so I get there. I'm 19 years old. I'm far and away the most experienced radio guy there, including the owner. And it was just the, it was the worst and the best experience I've ever had in my life. That small town radio shit is crazy. Yeah, and I th- there was a good HBO documentary about uh, small town news, which I guess was more TV, kind of outside Vegas. But it was just this really small time TV station. But yes, you have no idea. It's like, uh, you know, small town media is there's no HR. It's like a frat house, but somehow worse. It's like the the land that time and all rules forgot. But the thing that the misnomer is you're going to do it and you're you're going to get rich and famous. Man, low <laughs> no, local no. radio. You hopefully you want to work for t-shirts. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. When I got there, it was a weird experience. Like I said, I'm from Minneapolis, so I was used to the urban life. I got to this station. I thought, man, it's cool. I'll put up with all this other stuff. And the guy who I was replacing, who actually um went on to do some stuff actually here in Minneapolis. I don't know if you remember a team way back when called Buck and O'Connor, but he Buck was the guy. And and I came in there, I said, so now where, where are you living? Where, where should I get a place to live? He goes, oh, I just live up in the KOA campgrounds. I go, what? He goes, yeah, they got these little cabins. I just live up there. I go, that sounds fucked up. He goes, no, that's cool. <laughs> so I went and got an apartment. I couldn't get an apartment right away. I had to stay in a hotel room with, with this guy from California for a month. And, of course, my boss was trading it out. And And so... The goal was, you know, we'd stay there for a month and we'd pay him back once we got into our apartments. I go, dude, his name is Max. I go, Max, you don't pay me enough to pay you fucking back. You're <laughs> lucky I came here. No and, doubt. And then on top of it, Buck's girlfriend shows up at the radio station one day and she presumes that since I was taking his shift on the air, that I needed to take his shift with her. <laughs> Oh, wow. And she wasn't really my cup of tea, uh, but, you know, I'm out in the middle of fucking nowhere and she could cook. And she and weirdly enough, when I got to my apartment, she was living next door to me. I I still couldn't handle her. But the cooking when you're 19 and you don't know what the fuck's going on, I had to uh, trade myself out on occasion. <laughs> very nice man hey, hey whatever works in, in radio you literally trade for everything so yeah there you no, go. no i know that well well tristan i i wanted to ask you about the weather too because you're in kentucky and we all presume it's very warm or warmer than the midwest where i live but that's not the case today this storm is kind of fucking you guys up too yeah not today for sure um this is you know and if you were listening to any of our local news for the past five days it's you know winter apocalypse it's hell freezes over in kentucky but yeah it's uh negative four or five degrees right now with this storm coming south from canada we didn't get much snow i mean a light dusting but man it's really really cold how how, how do you guys react to snow down there since it's not as common here we can get seven eight nine inches and within a few hours, the roads are relatively clear and we're moving again. But I know in some of the southern towns, it's not that quick because you don't have the equipment. Yeah. Now, I would say, you know, we're somewhere between Michigan and Florida. So I would say we're not nearly as bad as some of the the towns in like Alabama or Florida, where if they were to get some snow, they just have no clue. You know, we've got a lot of salt, and a lot of road crews standing by, even for something like what we just got. 
Um, so again, you do hear stories from your Michigan friends or your, your Northern friends that are like, Oh, a foot of snow is, you know, then we go to work like normal and it's nothing. So not quite like that here. Like you're, you get seven inches of snow. Your most of your businesses are going to be on a couple hour delay. Schools probably close that type of thing. But, uh, but yeah, we handle it. Okay. Not too bad. Well, that's good. That's good. Now I met you because you asked me to be a, a, a guest on your, on your, um, podcast and the podcast is called extreme common sense podcast right that's right extreme common sense with trisden and ray and i don't know if there's other extreme common sense shows but yeah if you if you look up trisden t-r-i-z-d-o-n it's definitely the only one that's going to pop up and and it sounds like uh it sounds like you know we're kind of on the same path extreme common sense and rational we're right we're, we're both in the same area trying to achieve something that that isn't common these days there isn't a lot of extreme common sense or rationality so we're we're both trying to get people to rally around those people that are actually like that rally around and hopefully build up some power here right and and i think you know you just see people uh, in this day and age that are so happy to believe lies if it conveniences them and again i you know i don't know if the people that are are queuing on are ever going to tune into something like you and i but you you do hope that the folks in the middle that are open to rational thought and critical thinking will tune into a show like ours and, and get something out of it. Well, it's got to be tough. Now, you've described yourself as just left of right and right of left, correct? You're kind of in the middle. You're kind of a moderate. Either You could go either way on some things. I would you know what? My, my sidekick, Ray, that's kind of his go-to saying. Now, I would say I'm definitely I'm center left, but probably a smidge farther left than Ray is. Oh, Ray's so, an old, Ray's an old fucking white guy. He's, he's <laughs> my age, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You put us in a room and talk about radio and there'll be a lot of people bored really fucking quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun topic, but, but yeah, no, so, I, again, I always tell people by default where I'm at in central Kentucky with my job, with my family, the folks I deal with every day. I would, I think if I was in a, a, a completely neutral environment, I would be extreme left. But as a central Kentucky guy that's, you know, in the chamber of commerce that's in business, I don't really have the luxury of getting too far left because we're so red and I have to deal with these folks every day. So, yes, for that reason, I'm I'm center left. Well, you made a comment before we were on here and you said uh, you, you watch what I'm doing with a rational boomer is kind of uh, uh, the devil on your shoulder or whatever <laughs> saying, you know, and that's and that's one of the things that I've noticed about doing what I'm doing here. I got that comment a lot, and I never thought about it before I was doing it. A lot of people will come to me and say, you know, you're saying exactly what I want to say, but I can't. It's either that they don't have the courage to speak out or that by virtue of their jobs or their families or whatever, they don't feel comfortable with it. That's why I feel like we all have a First Amendment right, but I'm one of the few that ever, that actually gets to fucking exercise it. That's it. You know what? There's a term that I love. It's fuck you money. It's when you have enough money <laughs> that you could say whatever the fuck you want and you don't have to care what the repercussions are. Um, and I think you're, you're at that point in your life, you know, you're, you've got fuck you time and fuck you money and you can say exactly how you feel. Now, again, if I get on the air and I use the term Trumplifucks, then, you know, 20% <laughs> of my clients are immediately like, Oh, well, I'll Trumplifuck my money to Lexington and, right, you know, right. I'll, I'll not. So again, not, not that I'm not center left i mean i i do work really hard to see where the folks on the right are coming from but you know with some of this stuff with trump i, I can't find a lot of middle ground i mean there's there's not much there i think 
Well, you know, whenever I talk to somebody, uh, they will say, you know, there's two sides of the story or why do you think you're the only one that's right and you won't listen to what the other people say? And I say, you know, in a normal argument, if we're just debating something and it's about opinion, I get that. I get that idea. But if you're absolutely wrong and you believe in white supremacy and misogyny and overthrowing the country, and I don't, I'm sorry, there is no compromise in between. I see right. your side. I don't fucking like it. And I feel like I've got to fight against it. But, you know, that's the attitude. Everybody goes, we got to compromise. We got to work together. Not if you're a fucking uh, uh, insurrectionist, <laughs> I don't. Right. Yeah. If, if, if you're QAnon, I mean, if you think the Jews have space lasers, you know what? It, it, there's not a lot of common ground to be found. If you think there's a, a pizza restaurant where Democrats drink the blood of kids to stay young, A, that's not scientifically possible and you're a nutcase. But B, it's just not, you know, that's, there's not a a place you can go in that conversation to find, you know, you can't find middle ground from there. That's insane. Now, Kentucky is a beautiful state. I've only been there once and I hope to get back there next year with my wife and I traveling around and stuff. Uh, but you, you've got a couple of problems in Kentucky. Uh, and those problems happen to be Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell. (laughs) Now, these fuckers, actually, Mitch McConnell is trying to change his image, and he's kind of negotiating with the Democrats, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But but uh, what I tell people is you have to understand Mitch McConnell is a fucking mercenary. He will do whatever he has to do to make his money and get his votes. If he has to kiss the ass of a Democrat to do it, he will fucking do it. Rand Paul, just a QAnon crazy fuck. How do they yeah. get elected in your state? Oh, man. Uh, Well, I I guess the easy answer is there's more rural areas than there are urban areas. And, you know, by default in urban areas, most of the time, Democrats get elected in rural areas. Republicans get elected. But, you know, I think this happened since the 70s. You know, in the 70s, Kentucky was blue. And I think we've made strides. You know, we've got a Democrat governor right now. Right. But again, I I think when you have somebody like Mitch McConnell, who was elected in, you know, 1970 ish something, somebody fact check me on that. But, you know, he's got name recognition at this point. He's in the pockets of so many folks and he's got so much money coming in. Look, he's he's probably going to be reelected as long as he wants. Now, Rand, you know, I actually met Rand. He came to my radio station to do uh, to, to do a public event. And uh, the kind of the nice thing you probably remember about uh, working small town radio is you kind of get to meet a lot of these political folks and and, you know, get a handshake and look them in the eye. Like he's just a squirrely piece of shit. The same as what everybody (laughs) thinks, you know, because I think Mitch to to Mitch's credit, I think if you saw Mitch, I don't know, you're not going to see him at a sports bar. But if you saw him at an event, he'd shake your hand, look you in the eyes. Oh, thank you for your vote. You know, like Mitch McConnell would. But yeah, Rand was you know, just a squeaky little piece of trash. Well, and, and, you know, Mitch, for as much as he is kind of a mercenary in terms of politics, uh, the one thing I can give him over Rand Paul, um, he understands the game of politics and he is a pretty smart guy. I I, I don't like saying that because I don't like him, but he is a smart guy. Rand is just a fucking nutcase. And maybe, you know, there's one other Kentucky and I want to have on the show that I really want to talk to. And that is the neighbor that kicked his ass. I think we could have a very entertaining conversation of exactly what happened, but it anyway, would, would be a great show. <laughs> I would love to know, but you know, when he came out after uh, Pelosi's husband was stabbed and, and 
you know, one of the first things he said was not, uh, you know, man, I hope he's okay. And, uh, you know, prayers for the family or whatever they always say, but it was very much like, well, Nancy's daughter wasn't very polite when I had my altercation with my neighbor. And, you know, he just seems like a man, again, just not a human being that you would like to share space and air with. Well, you know, I, I think the last six years, way I try to explain the Republicans and these, these Trumplefucks getting all this power is for years and years, the Republicans have always been loud and proud and talk longer and louder than everybody else. They control the narrative. And people who don't pay attention or don't look into what's going on, they just hear this noise constantly, so they tend to believe it. Um, we're, we're, we're seeing a different situation now with the Republicans, and I'm curious as to what you think. The Republicans are all head up about having the power in the House of Representatives. They've got a slim margin in the House of Representatives. And as I look at the current situation, I made this statement. See what you think. I think the Republicans are worse off with a slim majority in the House than being in the minority. Because now they're responsible for actually creating some things, and they are never going to create things because they seem so divided. I mean, they can't get along with each other. They don't have time to fuck with the Democrats. I think that's a perfect point, because I think when you're in the power of opposite, when you're not in power, you're the minority party. You can scrutinize every single thing, you know, that Democrat Congress did. Everything is wrong. Everything is bad. But look, when you're the you're in power, you're the majority party, then you have to own that shit. And, you know, there's a lot of folks that think they're not going to have enough votes to uh, to to elect a speaker at this point because they're so divided. Right. You know, I, I think what I think they will get a speaker. I think it will probably be Kevin McCarthy, but he'll have to give away so much to MAGA that MAGA will essentially run the party. And And see, this is this is where I think it's beneficial to the Democrats. You've got the Republican Party, you've got the MAGA fucks, but you got all these people that have a little bit of intelligence, maybe above or slightly below average intelligence. And they say, you know, the midterms really fucked us over. Donald Trump hasn't won an election since 2016. He didn't win the midterms in either case. He didn't win 2020. So maybe... Maybe he's not an asset anymore. Maybe he's a liability. So there's these people stepping away from MAGA. They, 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 they don't want to go near it because they know it's going to cost them election. So when it comes down to doing something in the House, these people that are seem to be relatively normal, they're going to be hard-pressed to side with MAGA. But they're going to have to do something. So they may, be, may turn to negotiate with the Democrats. And a perfect example of that is the bill for same-sex marriage. And now this omnibus bill in the Senate, the Republicans are kind of siding with them. And of course, the MAGA fucks are, are, are going crazy. How dare you do this? But now the Republicans are in a worse spot, even though they won the House, where they almost have to negotiate with the Democrats. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, and of course, with the Democrats holding the Senate, I mean, They've got enough power for show. And, you know, I think they're going to have some, you know, they'll be able to um, investigate Hunter Biden to death, which is fine. By all means, if the man did something wrong, let's let's hold him accountable. I think that's what you want. I just think, uh, again, that has to go both sides. Like, uh, yeah. also, we've, we've got somebody on the right that may have done a whole shitload of 
of uh, illegal things too, and let, let's hold him accountable as well. Well, you won't see it in the House, but now in the Senate, we have uh, Democrats have subpoena power, so they can do all kinds of fucking investigations too if they want to or find oh, a great need point. to. Uh, not to mention the fact that with that current situation, what they should focus on is putting in as many fucking judges as they possibly can. I think Biden's already put in more judges than almost anybody. But if two years and they don't want to legislate, let's just keep punching judges through. Yeah, that's a great call. And not to ever credit Trump for anything, but I, I think he made it a priority to, to get a, a lot of judges in. So, yes, I think uh Whenever we have that ability and that power, I mean, that just has to be a top priority. Well, we know we know what what the value in judges is with, you know, this whole situation with Donald Trump and Aileen Cannon, who who basically fucked herself because she made some ridiculous choices and she was embarrassed in the end because she had to walk it back. Uh, having those federal judges is absolutely crucial to you know the furtherance of uh, of this country we we can't keep having these crackpots like aileen cannon because as much as she fucked around with donald trump you gotta wonder how she's doing in normal cases on a day-to-day basis she's got to be fucking those up because you know she's a QAnon freak or a republican to the nth degree right and i, I think one of the things that does hold a little bit of um value to me and i, I think it makes me you know very patriotic is the fact that you did see a lot of these judges that Trump appointed after the election, after January 6th, that sided against him. So I guess the nice thing about being a judge is even if they're ludicrous and, you know, completely right wing, I mean, you didn't see a lot of those judges, uh, you know, side with Trump in any of those cases, like literally none of those cases. So hopefully that's the type of thing, you know, that either party can, can put in judges. And of course they're going to side, I guess, on certain things, maybe religious freedoms. I'm rambling, but you do hope that that's part of America that holds, holds tight, right? Like even if um, they're a little bit kooky and they're put in by one party, they're not always going to, you know, vote for, for that party or that person just because they were a part of putting them in or a part of their party. Well, you know, uh, that, with judges, even Supreme Court judges, they will vote against Donald Trump. I mean, a lot of these people are appointed for a lifetime term. So it's not like Donald Trump can get them out. And they're looking at these crazy, crazy things that Donald Trump is trying to take to court. And they don't really have a choice. You know, there's no value in 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 going against the Constitution or breaking the law for Donald Trump, because Donald Trump isn't worth anything. That's what that's what Donald Trump doesn't understand. He thinks once he does somebody a favor that they are indebted to him for life, and that's the narcissistic part of it. But the fact of the matter is, once he becomes – once he has no value, then – the Republicans and politicians in general are just going to kick them to the curb. And I think that's where we're at now. Donald Trump is being kicked to the curb, but the whole idea of Trumpism is still being touted by the MAGA fucks. They don't give a shit about Trump, but the racism, the misogyny and all that stuff. Yeah, we're in for that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I laugh out of disappointment and sadness, but, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, I think you, you mentioned Mitch McConnell and and you see him, you know, and again, I think to your point, if it was politically expedient for Mitch McConnell to be 100 percent behind Donald Trump, he would be. And so now that he he's was able to, <laughs> he exactly he was. And now that it's not, he has 
you know, shifted himself away. Now, if you could try to pretend Mitch McConnell has a bit of a soul, you know, January 6th did seem to change him a bit. Um, now, whether or not in the back of his mind that was all politics or he actually just realized this is unbelievable horseshit and I have to distance myself. But again, Lindsey Graham sort of did the same thing for five minutes and then came right back. So it, it's probably soulless and it's just whatever's politically expedient. But I guess my point is it is nice to see these people that have been completely in shift away. It's nice to see at least the smarter folks in the party sort of say, okay, long-term, this isn't sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you radio guys are funny. Mitch McConnell has a soul. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) I've been working on that for my act. Yeah. I I, I don't blame you. Um, I've said to people on the show here and on TikTok, I, I felt like the midterms were kind of a paradigm shift. I mean, for six years, it seemed like Donald Trump, MAGA, the whole fascist attitude, the whole racist attitude, misogyny and all that stuff seemed to kept picking up steam no matter what happened, no matter what embarrassing thing Donald Trump did or whatever he was exposed for being complicit in. He seemed to gain ground, but that midterm seemed to be a point where the Republicans go, okay. <laughs> we're on a bad ride here. We maybe need to get off of it. Now, not all of them are willing to do that, but enough of them to make a change. And and now with this midterm things, and we're seeing his, his taxes being released and the J6 committee releasing all the evidence, I think MAGA and that whole concept is on the fucking run right now. And we need to chase it down and finish it. Man, absolutely. And I think the problem with that is, again, I think your potty trained Republicans want to be so far away from that. They can't stand it. You look at the Liz Cheney's and, you know, certainly the the folks on the uh, on the January 6th committee. But I think the problem that they all have or so many of them have is is the basis. So MAGA, like nobody wants to just say to that 30 percent of voters, look, fuck you guys. So they're, I think, trying to find this way to appease that 30% without, you know, hurting their feelings and just having them either not vote or not show up. Now, again, I don't know if that's a thing you can do, but it it has to be a political tightrope to want to continue to be a Republican, but distance yourself from Trump and these people. Yeah, that's that that's the hard thing about this. You're not dealing with normal people in the MAGA group. We are dealing with a cult of personality and and there is no common sense, there is no rationale there. So um it's gonna be a tough thing. You you can't you can't appease MAGA unless you're all in. And the people who are trying to step away from MAGA are gonna have a problem balancing in that line it's like (laughs) it's like the line between heaven and hell (laughs) you don't want to leave to lead lean to hell now and again just to appease them because that's going to fuck you up in heaven so um that's where i see the republicans really having the problem in the house that's why i think they're weak they're so divided if they can't come up with a uh, uh speaker of the house how are they going to legislate anything and apparently they don't want to they just want to do these the these investigations and i say let them that's one of the reasons they lost the midterms they think it's all donald trump but it's also the crazy shit you do so go ahead do more crazy shit we'll see how it works out in 2024 right well and again i think the problem with maga itself is 
you know, you saw when Trump was president, it, it wasn't um, there was no party platform anymore. It was just no. tr- Trump's whim, which is so fascinating. So it was people that basically didn't have a we don't have a moral compass. You can fuck porn stars and knock people up or have an abortion or divorce or all these things. And we're not really worried about it because, you know, by God, Trump's going to own those libs. <laughs> so, you know, you, you do hope to 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 grab a needle and, and inject some some uh some rational thought into these folks well if i you know if i knew that when i was in my 20s my life would have turned out a whole lot different <laughs> if i knew i could get away with the shit that donald trump did my right. wife my wife you know uh, my wife would frown on it but, uh, <laughs> but it's, like a sh- it's the shaggy song like uh you know doesn't matter but they caught you on the counter oh it wasn't me but they yeah. got you on the soap wasn't me like you know, it was fascinating. I think, and you kind of got used to it over his his term, but just stuff that you knew was fact because there was written transcripts or video or you know court paperwork, and he was just like, yeah, "It's not true. It's not the case. It's fake news." And like, I think everybody's mind just exploded. Like, oh, this was an option all along. You could just deny things that were one hundred percent factual, and millions of people would still believe you. Like, I guess that's how dictators are able to rule or become elected like you can just say whatever you want it's fascinating well well the weird thing that they did too was every time something horrible happened like stormy daniels we'd be all up up in arms about it and people would be fighting about it then something else more fucked up would happen and then we'd be focused on that forget about stormy daniels and then once we got really excited about that something else fucked up happened there was so much stuff it was impossible to keep track of fucking everything so his strategy apparently is let's just keep doing fucking crazy shit and keep them off balance yeah and it worked right like it did some sick way like we didn't have the attention span anymore. Like it just became like, well, I guess that's okay because we've moved, moved past it to, you know, I think he's on an entertainment tonight van talking about trying to fuck somebody's wife, but okay. Yeah. To your point, stormy Daniels shows up and I, I guess that's okay now. So, you know, it, it, it is hard. And I think it's going to be hard for the Republican party to recover over the series of the next 20 years, because again, you went from being this moral majority in the 90s and Bill Clinton's the worst human being ever for what Bill Clinton did. And I'm not taking up for what he did, but you can't be the moral party talking about this guy who acted out of uh, out of his, his 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 wedding vows to then be like, well, it's OK to fuck porn stars and, you know, have all these divorces, at you know, moral failings, et cetera, as long as we're going to throw some Supreme Court justices in that don't like abortion. So I don't know, man, it's a tough tough way to be it's weird how this country has changed i mean way back when i was young before you were born there was a guy running i think you might have been with mccarthy or something but um uh, he was running with for um for vice president he was in 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 the presidential campaign and his name was sergeant shriver and he was somehow connected to the kennedys but he was the vice presidential candidate until somebody found out that he actually went to a psychiatrist. Oh, fuck no. We got to get him off the, off the ballot. No, we can't have him on there. That's too far. And then you take Richard Nixon. It was the most appalling thing in the world. He lied. He did all this stuff. But when it came down to it, basically what he did is he sent some people in to break into Democratic headquarters. That's, that's a big deal at the time. And, and it, it, it shook the world. And then Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton. Um, 
had sex, extramarital sex with a woman and then lied about it. That's as fucking common as apple trees in this country. But that was the most horrific thing. So everybody was appalled by this. But like you say, Donald Trump comes along. He's fucking he's fucking porn stars. And that's the least <laughs> of the problems. He's trying to right. overturn free and fair elections. He's trying to overthrow the government. Uh, he's he's stealing top secret documents. Uh, how did how do we go from these little things that were so appalling to us to all this shit that a lot of these people don't care about? That's it, man. It's a lot of hypocrisy. I think as the party that does use our brains on a lot of this stuff, I think we have to be careful now moving forward that we don't justify this type of behavior on our side. And again, I'm not saying we've seen any examples of that, but I definitely think we've got a lifetime of being able to throw in the face of these guys like this party. Look, how can you be okay with this? Like you can't be the Christian right. This, um, you know, this group of folks that everything matters so much morally to again to your point of yeah eh, fucking porn stars not a big deal like literally he could kill somebody in in Times square or fifth whatever his quote was and he was right like he was exactly right 30 percent of the country would be like they must have had it coming well so they're in a tough situation because like the evangelicals i speak badly about the evangelicals i have a family member that claims he's in the evangelicals and not surprising he's not my biggest fan <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> like me very much but but i stand by what i say because the evangelicals or the christian right they they seem to have this attitude i don't care what he does i don't care how much he sins just overturn roe v wade they are a one trick pony they only care about and they're willing to give away all their other beliefs in order to get that one belief and and then to me you know if you're any kind of organization that's kind of a fucked up thing to do you gotta you gotta have some balance as to what you accept and what you don't accept yeah and i think that's been a, a big uh you know, a big study for me, for lack of a better term here in Kentucky, I mean, you'll have really good conversations with, uh, with folks, you know, I'll have a good conversation with a friend on the right. And it feels like, you know, we'll discuss seven topics. I'll win every, every discussion on the topic. And then at the end of the day, it's, well, you can't vote for anybody that might, you know, be pro-abortion in any way that, that does, at least in my circle in central Kentucky, that is the, right. the end all, you know, but abortion, like there's nothing you can say, you know, about taxes, about equality, about racism, about global warming. They'll agree with you on all this, but abortion rights. So, right. you know, and I don't, again, you can't give away, you can't give away the baby with the bathwater. Like, yes, fight for that. If that's your belief, I, you and I understand that there's situations where women most yeah. certainly need to be, you know, in control of their bodies and have abortions. But again, you, you can have that conversation, but you can't give away all your morality on this one issue. And I, and I feel like it's certainly in our, in my bubble here, they're, they're readily happy to do that. And and where the Republicans are caught behind the eight ball, if you will, um, they wanted to placate the the the, the MAGA and the uh, evangelicals and get Roe v. Wade overturned. But for whatever reason, they didn't look too closely into it because it turns out seventy percent of this country supported Roe v. Wade. 
You know, when we came into the midterms, everybody goes, oh, it's going to be a red wave. I said, it's not going to be a red wave. It can't be a red wave if you've taken away constitutional rights away from 50% of the country. That is just not a winner. That's not a vote getter. And and it's not going to be. And it turned out it wasn't. So now the Republicans have to deal. Do we continue to placate or, 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 or work for the evangelicals and the MAGA with the Roe v. Wade? But the Roe v. Wade overturning Roe v. Wade was maybe one of the biggest reasons they lost in the midterm. So if in their mind they know they're not going to win elections as long as they vote for overturning Roe v. Wade, what do they do? They they have to back off of it because they only right. care about themselves, their elections, and their money. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, as you mentioned about Mitch McConnell, at the end of the day, he's going to do what's politically expedient. You know, I don't know that it... Most of these guys, maybe at the lower levels, but most of these guys, by the time they're at the Senate in the Senate or, you know, upper levels of American politics, they don't have as many beliefs as they do so much as working toward that next reelection. Right. Like they need to they need to get funding and they need to get reelected. And at the end of the day, they're going to do whatever that takes. It's like any other job. It's like being in radio for that matter. When you're a young man and you sit down in front of the mic for the first time and you're going to do the show, you're thinking of the artistic value and how you're going to be creative and stuff. But day to day, when you walk into a radio station, you got your commercials, you got to play, you got the rotation of music, you got to play, you got to get the news at the top of the hour. And people will say, I bet it's really fun. No, it's like a factory job, actually, because you're doing the same shit every day. And you throw in a little creative ability. But but if you work for most <laughs> companies in this country, they don't want you to create. Don't go too far. Right. Pull that shit back. Let's make it more generic. And that's one of the reasons why I like doing the Rational Boomer podcast and TikToks, because I got nobody telling me to pull it back. Nobody. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you want. You know, I, one of the th- first things I learned when I started in radio is I would come in and I would write these really cool, but offbeat comedic commercials, you yeah. know, just really outlandish, doing a lot of voices, a lot of like funny stuff to me at 22, 23 years old. And I just learned, you know, and it was a hard lesson that people want to sound like everything else on the radio. And, and right. that's, you're, you're hurting your brand because people tune that shit out. Like nobody wants to hear Jeff and Jane want to invite you down to the restaurant. You know, everybody sounds like that. You should try to sound a little bit different. And, you know, to this day, it's been a battle of guys. You have to sound a little bit different, but, uh, well, it's a struggle. So, but again, you come in with all these ambitions and, and delusions of grandeur about how you're going to do all this great, funny stuff. And yes, it it is. uh, It does become a, a factory job. And, you're just you're grinding the machine. I swear to God, in most small town markets, at least it was back in the day when I was in small town markets, that there's one one script for every commercial. <laughs> and there and there's the one catchphrase that every small town uses. Well, when I worked in this small town, they had two things that they do. They're creative part of it. Now, I don't even know if you can do it anymore because of all the digital stuff. But back in the day, you could you could turn up the, the the modulator of the pod a little bit and get a little echo, a little reverb in it. So you'd always put the reverb in it because that makes it cool. And then you do your generic spot and it always would start at some point in the thing for all your hardware needs, for all your feminine product needs, for all your used car needs. They're so fucking uncreative. It's just absolutely 
I, I, I'm just going to tell you a story. You'll, you'll appreciate this. I was working for the Department of Transportation doing traffic reports, and they said, Mike, we need somebody to do a spot uh, to tell people to stay away from snowplows because they'll fucking kill you. I said, cool. <laughs> and, you know, basically the, it would be, you know, snowplows are out on the roadways. Please be careful. They weigh 30,000 pounds and you can die doing that. And I thought, well, that's fucking boring. <laughs> so I had two little kids. I had two little kids, one who was like five and one who was like 11. So I said, I'm going to nothing, nothing pulls at a heartstrings like, like a kid's voice. And they did a decent job. And so I did this, I did this promo or this PSA. And uh, I had my son talking for sad music in the background, you know, and he's going, yeah, my, my dad was out driving in the snowstorm the other day and, uh, uh, he got he got too close to a snowplow, and then my little guy who couldn't say more than one line it had to be a really good line. Uh, he comes in and he says, "Yeah, my dad got too close to the snowplow," and my little guy says, "And and he got dead." <laughs> and, and my older one says, "Don't worry, buddy. We'll be okay. It'll be okay." So so I, I sent that off. First of all, my son took it to his, his, his kindergarten class. Look, I'm on the radio. Every, <laughs> every kid in the room was crying because they thought Max's dad was dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then, and then I got a call from management at Minda. They go, you got to take that spot off the air. I go, why? <laughs> and they said, people are so upset about it. I go, that was the fucking point. I said, don't you want people to be concerned enough to think about it when they go out there, or do you want a generic spot? And they didn't want right. the impact. So they just want to do the job. They just don't necessarily care if it's effective or not. Yeah, you do run into that a lot. It's so funny. And then, you know, I've got clients that here's one that you'll love. They insist on putting family owned in their commercial <laughs> when have you ever been driving to a restaurant and then hear a commercial for another restaurant that's family owned and say shit honey let's turn the car around carl's is family owned i didn't realize that oh sure <laughs> you know you're whipping around but people just insist on this stuff because they've heard it done so for so long it's you know the i, I did an ad once where the guy insisted on putting in that there's tons of free parking Again, when have you ever, you were going to ACE, but now you're going to turn around and go to Jim Bob's because they've got loads of free parking. You know, it's just, it's fascinating, but, but you make such a great point about the, uh, that, that public service announcement about the, uh, about that safety, because you, you do see so much of that. It's, we've got a budget, we have to put something on, we want the tax write off, but again, we don't really necessarily want it to be creative enough to get anybody's attention. What I like about a local radio, and it even happens in the major markets too, or the medium markets, uh, there's always a guy, either the owner or some manager that thinks, oh, I'd be really good doing radio commercials. And then they do their own radio commercials and they're right. fucking horrible. <laughs> they're fucking horrible. I mean, sometimes it works. They're so fucking horrible. They catch on. Yeah. So they're so horrible that they're good, but uh, it, it always amazes me what, what people will do with their money and then, and, and they're all about the, the exposure for themselves and selling themselves when they're trying to sell cars, just shut up. You know, it's like, if you have your car, I always align it with this. If I have my, if my car needs to be repaired, I don't bring the car in and, and then crawl under the car with them. And I say, you know what? That looks good, but I think you should go over here. No, <laughs> right. I let, I let a professional fucking do it and not 
mess it up and they should do the same thing in every other business, including radio. Man, exactly. That is so true. And my favorite thing to hear from a client is you're the expert. I just want what you think will work because then you have the freedom to do just that. You'll give them a commercial without a bunch of cliches, you know, that gets to the point and makes sense. Absolutely. Well, Tristan, I'm going to take a quick break here right now. We'll be right back. And I, I want to talk about it when, when we come back, uh, you know, about the elephant in the room. And that would be the new evidence coming out, the J6 committee, the taxes and stuff. I, I, I'm curious as to uh, your perspective and viewpoint uh, from where you are as to what we're going to see over the next uh, six months to two years. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast and uh, I have on the show today, Trisden Reynolds. And, and and I think we should take a moment and talk about your podcast. That's kind of the impetus for you being here on the Rational Boomer podcast. You were gracious enough to have me on your podcast called Extreme Common Sense Podcast. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, so... I, it's it's me and my partner Ray White, who was my first boss in radio. Really? Uh, yeah, he left and now runs a local bowling alley slash entertainment center. Center, but he's a uh, he's a political hobbyist. I'm a political hobbyist. Once he left and took that job, he became one of my clients. So I sell him radio ads periodically. So I'm over there at his bowling alley just chatting with him, and uh, they always have these back office political chats that are you know kind of no holds barred kind of uh unpolitically correct overly expressive and i would always come in on some of those and join in and i thought to myself man this would make a pretty good podcast to just really talk about a lot of this stuff and it has just it's it's similar probably to what we do what you do here uh maybe we're not as smart as you but um, oh i don't know that's the case i I think you're just just as smart easily. I, I tell people it's not people say, well, you seem so smart. I go in radio. It's not that be having to be actually smart. It's just give the perception that you're smart. And I think <laughs> I'm good at that. There, there, there's some truth to that. Yeah. It's a theater of the mind, but, but yeah, I think truth be told, you're a very smart guy. And, and one of the things I always say about myself, and, and I don't feel like this is a brag in any way. I, I spend most of my days and I think I'm probably average intelligence and then i see a lot of other people you know people that believe that pizza parlors are uh you know a a a secret child youth blood drinking cult spot and i think man maybe i'm pretty smart so so i I think a lot of the things in the news have perpetuated in my own mind how smart that i actually am so yeah maybe i'm okay so the podcast uh, you do a podcast uh, once a week right once a week yep and uh Having been on the show and having listened to the show, I can tell you it's a great show. By all means, check it. Can I get it off um, off of uh, the various apps and that sort of thing? Exactly. Apple, Spotify, um, you know, we have a Facebook page that uh, is moderately active. So if you're interested, again, the best way to probably find the show is to just look up Trisden, T-R-I-Z-D-O-N. It will probably make the podcast easy to find and uh yeah, check it out, man. If if you if you love what you're doing, you'll like what we're doing. So if if you love <laughs> your show, check it out. You've got another hour a week to spend. We're only once a week. You'll probably get a kick out of our conversation. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I think people are, are feel so strongly about the political situation the way it is. Uh, I, I tell people, thank God for Donald Trump because I wouldn't have the platform I have now if if if, if not for Donald Trump. Because there's a lot of people concerned. There's a lot more people focused in on politics now and concerned and even scared 
and they need to get some information. I think, well, you know, being on radio, that I think most people listening to the media are just fucking lazy. They hear the high points and they get freaked out about the little clickbait or 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 whatever. And and that's been my complaint about the media. They do whatever it is that's going to get you excited, but they don't tell you the whole facts. And people like you and me hopefully try to distill it down into understandable terms and give people some hope by giving them the full picture. Right. And I think it's very important to remember you know, whether it's Fox News, whether it's MSNBC, whether it's something like WBON TV, where I work, look, it's a business. We're all trying to get clicks. We're all trying to get viewers. And it's unfortunate. I, you know, I wish news and media wasn't wasn't that way. But look, we, we all have to pay our bills, too. So if, if you could have a, a, an article and it's, um, you know, car wreck on Irvin, Irvin Road, for example, or uh, three dead in cataclysmic car wreck, you know, you know, which one folks are going to click on. So I think it's important to kind of kind of understand that, right? Like that it's not uh, not always easy to judge politics by what's on the surface or news. So it is good to have folks that can distill it down and, and talk about it a little bit. Well, things look interesting coming into 2023. We're just a short time away from the uh, turn of the year, and and we will be in 2023. Um, The last two years with Joe Biden, there's been a lot of positive things. He's done a lot of things as a president, probably more things than most presidents in their first two years. But now with the with the things kind of falling in place, finally, after waiting forever and ever, we're going to be able to look at Donald Trump's taxes. And we are going to see all the evidence and the report from the J6 committee. This this promises to be a much different year than we had the last couple of years, because all this gaslighting and bullshit that's been going on is now going to be proven in front of our face. And it's going to be hard for these people to do what they normally do, divert, distract. I mean, it's real easy if some of it's covered up or or some of it isn't known, but now Everything's going to be known. This has got to change the whole, like I said, the whole paradigm of of what we've been dealing with for two years. I think you're right. I I think it will change. And let me first say credit to you. You know, when we had you on the show, on our show, six-ish months ago, I I admired uh, what you thought, but I wasn't 100% on board. And you kept saying... Trump is going to be held accountable. The shit is going to eventually hit the fan. And you've been one of the very few voices on the left or right that has really been adamant about that. And I I think it's just been so hard for folks that feel like he really deserves repercussions. I mean, fuck that he grew up rich and that he has a lot of money and that he has some businesses. Look, we should all be held accountable. That's what life is. But credit to you for saying time and time again that he was going to be held accountable. And now I think that is finally coming to fruition i think he's finally to the point god let me knock on wood as i say it but you just can't get away with being a shyster forever right and and doing breaking all these laws it does feel like he's going to be held accountable now so so yes that, that's that's pretty wonderful and it's not because i'm 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 there's two reasons i was willing to be able to say that um and this will get a little dark here in a minute <laughs> And I don't mean it to, but, and you have to understand that, that one of the things is people, when they watch the media, they get real emotional. And when it doesn't go the way they want, the moment they want to, they'll say, oh, fuck, it's never going to (laughs) happen. So I get all these comments all the time. Nothing's going to ever happen to Donald Trump. He never has to be accountable for anything. And I always say to him, 
based on what? I mean, he's already been accountable for some things. I mean, he's under multiple investigations. People all around him are being indicted and, and investigated. They, they, they convicted his whole fucking company. They convicted his CFO. They're now going to be looking at him. The January 6th committee, whether if your only criteria is that he's in cuffs and put in jail, well, yeah, you're probably disappointed at this point, but make no mistake, some fucking shit is going down around Donald Trump. And he, at this moment, is recognizing some accountability. Yes. And I think if you'd asked me in 2015, if I thought, you know, we should be putting presidents in jail or, you know, presidents uh, on a, on a, on trial after, after they leave, I, I would have thought based on prior evidence and prior presidents, I would have said, no, I, I you know, I like the way it worked out with Nixon. You know, he, he was able to get a pardon and, and, and make a deal and, you know, obviously never be in politics again. But I think with Trump, it's just been so egregious. It's just been one thing after another. I mean, one proven thing after another. I mean, you can't, Harp on locker up. Hillary may have not definitely did may have had a server in her house that was uh, that had lack security. And then you're taking top secret uh, what some imagine to be nuclear secrets to your penthouse at, at Mar-a-Lago and just stacking these boxes up in, you know, some back room. I mean, you, you can't have it both ways. And look, I at this point, based on that evidence, and I, and I hope I would feel the same way if it was a Democrat he absolutely has to be held accountable for this because again, it's not, he's not, he didn't mess up in the normal way that would make us a banana Republic to say he deserves punishment. And we're just mad that he's on the other side of the political aisle. I think we would, most rational people would agree. This is far different and far supersedes that. Well, and, and I told you this might get a little dark here, but one of the, it's, it's not that I'm so smart that I knew that Donald Trump was going to be accountable it's that I've seen this show before. I've seen this song and dance before. As I've said on this podcast many times, my father um, was a narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liar. Now, where I grew up in South Minneapolis, he was easily the wealthiest guy. He was a salesman, but he worked on commission, but he was crazily successful. Not not to the level of Donald Trump, but you know, in the 80s in South Minneapolis in a blue collar area, blue collar maybe upper middle class, in the 80s he was making $250,000 a year. Wow. So he made a lot of money. But yeah. He, and he had a lot of power and a lot of ego, and he was a narcissist. He was a sociopath and a pathological liar. Not a good guy. And he had his his days in the sun, like Donald Trump had his days in the sun. He ended up kind of abandoning and losing his family. He didn't know his grandkids, really. Certainly doesn't know his great-grandkids. And about three weeks ago, I got a call. It was up in Duluth, Minnesota. And I got a call from the police. <laughs> I got a call from the police. And then some of the local police, I was in Georgia at the time, and some of the local police dropped a card by. My son was at, at, at my condo, and she he sends me a picture of this card by the police. He goes, what did you do? And I go, hey, I, haven't been to, I haven't been to Duluth. I haven't done anything. I thought it was you because you used to go <laughs> to school there. But it turned out my father died. Okay? Uh. And 
I haven't spoken to him 20 years. I really have no emotion tied to it at all. Um, and that's sad to say, but given all that the family's gone through with him and the fact that we haven't seen him 25 years, it's hard to get emotional. Sure. Here's a guy that was riding high. He was making all kinds of money. Eventually, a guy like this, because of the way he lives his life, it's going to he's going to spiral and then it's going to crash. And that's what happened to him. Things spiraled out of control. He ended up in Duluth. He was losing money hand over fist. And when he came to an end, when he finally died, he was living on what twenty three hundred bucks a month Social Security. He was living in a one bedroom apartment, and he died in his reclining chair in his sparsely sparsely furnished one bedroom apartment. So I know how the story ends. You can't keep up this pace because you're going to come to an age where you don't have the capacity to earn as much money as you once did. It's not going to last forever. People are going to catch on to your bullshit and eventually it's going to die. So what I saw in my father, I see in Donald Trump because they are very similar people. Donald Trump was richer than my dad, but my dad was smarter and more vicious than Donald Trump. So it was a weird comparison. I know how you can't maintain this for your lifetime. You're going to crash. And this is exactly what's going to happen to Donald Trump over the next year. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And man, it's really hard to to sort of relate to people who don't put their family first, I guess. But then also like, man, never met his great grandkids and you know, I don't know, you know, as somebody who I don't have a, a, a decent relationship with my own father, and I don't know that he's any of the things you named, we just don't get along. He, I, it may be a little bit narcissistic, but it's always, it's fascinating to me. And it's a psychological study of these human beings that find anything on earth more important than their kids or their grandkids or shit, nieces and nephews. I mean, there's really something loose in that brain. If you are not you know, if you don't reach a, port, a part in your life where you just think, man, you can't take the money with you. This is really what matters. And that, that's really sad, man. I, I hate to hear that for you as somebody that has a little bit of that in my life with my dad. And and then also, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think there's a point where you realize that you can't keep up the bullshit forever. And eventually it does catch up to you. And, and you do hold, you are held accountable at some point. Well, and fortunately, you know, a lot of people will say, I just do this because my dad did that. That's my excuse. Well, you get to a certain age and you know what's right and what's wrong and you're an adult yeah. and you can make choices. And I'm happy to say that my family, my wife and I and my two sons are very close. We see them all the time if they need help and we can give them help. I, I'm going to step up and give them help. I mean, that's part of my job as a, as a father. As far as my grandkids, the best humans I know. I, I, I love those grandkids more than anything, especially my, my little granddaughter. She's two and a half. If my son calls me and says, you know, I need you to watch my kid and I happen to be a hundred miles away. I'll say, give me two hours. I'll be there. Cause That's I will awesome. all, I mean, I love those kids. And, and, and I know that when you die, all the toys, all the money you have is going to end up in a garage for sale. The only thing you have left is memories and your legacy to the people you leave behind. And if right. you fuck that up, your whole life was a waste. Right. And I think you've proven that you can, you don't necessarily have to trade being successful for your family. You can no. have both of no. those things. Like you can be a successful person 
and still be the dad that they deserve, you know, or grandpa or great grandpa. So it's sad when people feel like they're, you know, choosing one over the other for whatever reason, man, it's really not, not even choosing one over the other, but choosing work over family is, I can't relate to that. And it, and it goes back to the narcissistic thing. They're not really choosing work over, over their family. They're choosing themselves over their family, the, Fair. Their, their own enrichment, enrichment, their own benefit. Uh, let, let's talk about this, this stuff coming out with the, uh, um, I'm not as worried about the, the taxes thing. There's a lot of crimes there. It's going to expose him for some things. It's going to show that he's not a billionaire. You can't spend five years or six years that they have, four of them losing $20 million. And the one time you did make money, you made $20 million. The math doesn't work there. You're not a fucking billionaire if that happens. Exactly. And I think it proves sort of what the Democrats have been saying, which is why we've wanted to see those taxes for so long, which is either a, you really, really, really suck at business or B you're a fucking liar. And everything you do, you're lying and it's a crime or some combination of those two things, because look, you don't lose all this money every single year. And you're this great businessman coming to save our country. And I think, you know, you've, you've got to figure out what that is. If you're on the right, look, does he suck at business? I mean, he has had what 11, I don't know exactly how many, but very many bankruptcies. So he can't keep being this savior that came and vowed to work for nothing. Look, Donald Trump's not doing anything if it doesn't benefit him, but yeah, I I think those taxes say a whole lot to folks that are willing to, to listen, paying $750 a year in taxes. Give me a break. You and I pay more than that. We pay a lot. We make exactly right. Um, But, but, but I think the biggest, most important thing, and I don't know if they're going to be able to glean this from these taxes or not. What I'm most concerned about is how much money he's getting from foreign countries, because, you know, everything that comes out in these taxes and in these, in, in these uh, J six documents, they all seem to tie together. Like for example, in these taxes, it, it shows that he, he, exaggerated the value of his properties and then undervalued his properties. Okay. And that's a crime and he's got other shit to go on, but it ties to the Manhattan district. The Manhattan district just convicted his company of doing just that overvaluing and undervaluing property to his benefit. They were convicted 17 convictions on that shit. So now his taxes come out. And back that up. How does he not get indicted for that? I mean, it's already been, the company's already been indicted. It's a small company. His hands are all over everything. Of course, he's going to get indicted for that. No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I don't know. You know, he, he does seem to be a master of having people in line to fall for the things that he's doing wrong. I I think you saw that when, uh, I can't think of his name, but his Stormy Daniels attorney went to prison. Michael Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. And you just see so many of these guys that are sort of his pawns that, that seem to take the, the fall for so much of, of the stuff that, uh, that he's, that he's doing, but they're getting their hands dirty. So, you know, I, I, yeah, to your point, I think everybody in the company, or at least that had any fingerprint whatsoever on any of that, uh, inflating and deflating values is certainly going to going to be in trouble and 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 you hope that 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 leads back to to donald well when we look at the documents coming out of the j6 committee it's interesting you're right people for whatever reason have been willing to stand by donald trump we saw alan weisselberg in the manhattan district with the uh 
the the trial of the Trump organization. He said, I'm not going to speak against Trump. Um, but he did essentially by what he did. He was just trying to cover himself with Trump and Trump's so stupid. He'll buy into it. <laughs> True. But, but I think we're, I think we're, we're, we're now at that point where it's, it, it's too big a loss of people around Donald Trump and Donald Trump is losing so much credibility that people are going to have to flip on him. I mean, I think a perfect example, I said this on the podcast a while back. Remember when, 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 um, um, What's his name? The chief of staff, Mark, Mark, Mark Meadows. Meadows, Mark Meadows. And his, his, uh, deputy was, oh, fuck. I can't, I, I just talked about it yesterday, but Mark Meadows, let's talk about Mark Meadows. He did not testify in front of the J six committee. He got referred to the DOJ, but he did not get indicted. And for the longest time, we didn't hear anything out of him, which is weird because he was the guy standing next to Donald Trump. He was the intermediary between the city members of Congress, Jenny Thomas, Rudy Giuliani, his own kids had to go through Mark Meadows to talk to Donald Trump. So, you know, this guy is culpable in this whole January 6th committee, but we didn't hear anything. So uh, a frequent guest, Ed, was on the show with me and we decided Meadows must have flipped. He must have flipped. And now the J6 uh uh, documents come out and it doesn't say it, but it kind of hints at it. I got to tell you, if Mark Meadows flips, it's fucking done for Donald because there's nobody closer to him. Right. I think you're exactly right. And I had, had not followed as much of that, obviously, as you have. But yeah, I, I think if Mark flips, he's really fucked. Now, what do you think is best best case, worst case scenario for uh, for his punishment? Do you think that there's going to be a point where we're going to see Donald Trump in handcuffs or will they find another way to sort of get him out of the way and without, without that, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure. You may see him in handcuffs and here's why if you're, you know, the biggest problem the DOJ had with this, oh, it's really tough to uh, arrest or indict a, a former president. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. It's going to cause, you know, divisiveness in this country. Well, we already have the divisiveness. And at this point, the J6 committee did the perfect thing. They didn't just hand over documents to the DOJ. They made it available to the general public. And this puts pressure on the DOJ. I think at this point, there's going to be more problems if they don't indict Donald Trump than if they do indict Donald Trump. I mean, both ways could cause some problems, but definitely letting Donald Trump free on this thing is a no-go. I mean, he's clearly guilty of multiple things. And I tell people, I said, all, all we need is one indictment, whether it's Fonnie Willis in Georgia, up in New York, or the DOJ. He doesn't have to be indicted for everything, just one. And that's going to fuck him up. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. <laughs> and you just worry that it's going to come down to like it sort of was with the with his term as president, how sort of the attention span of every single thing, one more horrible than the next, just became overshadowed. And you hope that all these potential trials and potential situations don't just become, I, I guess, I hope they just don't start snuffing out because again, I think each one is so incredibly um, potentially damaging to Trump. You just like, I hope that they're all, uh, I guess, um, ran out to the end. I hope we see, 
I'd like to hear a judge tell me on each of those in Georgia why it's not okay to ask for votes that you didn't earn. I think we should right. hear about why it's not okay to to lie about your properties. I, I hope we hear why it's not okay to cheat on your taxes. Look, there's people going to jail and paying fines every day that live like you and me for right. that stuff. So uh, he's got to be held uh, held accountable. Well, this kind of goes to what I said about the paradigm shift. For a long time, Donald Trump, the Trump LaFucks, the Republicans kind of controlled the narrative. And and that's how they won, or that's how they delayed things. And as I told people, now that the Democrats ha- are in a position to do it, we've got to control the narrative. We, and and I think the documents coming out from the J6 committee are just an absolute gift. I don't know about for you, but for me, um, we're going to have close to a million documents, text messages, emails. There's no way anybody can go through that quickly and give you a synopsis. Well, there is a report on it because the J6 committee gave the report. We can go through the report. But all that evidence, it's a gift to fucking media and to bloggers and to podcasters. Because if I got to talk about something today, and there are some days doing one every day, there isn't as much to talk about. All I have to do, go online and download a crazy fucking document that shows he was criminally uh, culpable in, in a certain situation. And I think that's what's going to happen over the next year you're going to see things coming to light and coming to light and expanding. And it's going to be just too much pressure that will control the narrative instead of the bullshit gaslighting that the Republicans have done up to this point. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope you're right. I mean, and I think one thing the Republicans have to remember too, is as hard as it always is, and nobody wants to see your guy, your teammate get arrested or, you know, be held accountable. But again, you know, you have to put yourself in, in 10 years. If that's a, uh, you know, if that's somebody in the, in the Democrat side, like you're, you're going to want them held accountable. And again, you hope it's not this bullshit where, you know, every president that's in is going to be impeached now because you impeached our guy. We're going to impeach your guy, but look, we have to be able to hold people accountable when shit is really, really egregious and really, really bad. And I think there's unlimited proof at this point that so much of this has been that it has been unbelievably egregious and with a complete disregard to the law and the rules. So again, you, you can't have that on either side. And, and I hope at least the folks in the middle, the smarter folks realize, look, as much as you may have liked that Trump put in a couple Supreme court justices, you may have liked his tax plan, but we, we can't have, we can't have an entirely corrupt government. We just can't. And people have to be held accountable. That That's what always troubled me about when they were going to impeach Donald Trump or they were indicting people or whatever. There was the concern that reason why they don't like to mess around with, with presidents and and maybe even senators is because they're afraid, like you said, that, well, if they impeach this president, then the opposing party will appeal, will, will impeach their president. And then in turn, they will impeach the other president when he comes into power. And then it becomes a shit show. My question is, are you telling me Congress is full of fucking children that, 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 that they will do that just for revenge and, and, and uh, ignore fucking governing? Well, it does. Well, yeah, it certainly feels like, I mean, they were talking about impeaching Biden uh, before he was uh, inaugurated. So, I mean, it became this, well, he's going to be impeached for his son and all these other 
things that I, you know, I don't even know if you could come up with an actual constitutional reason, but you, you certainly heard those whispers on the right. And it was a question that, you know, would be, would be asked a lot on meet the press. Oh, are you going to impeach Biden? And it just felt like, you know, if, if they had the, you know, the votes to do it, like it certainly felt like they wanted to right, and certainly still yeah, does. Absolutely. They won't. So, yeah. Because I don't think, I don't think the entire Republican house will get on board with that because if they get on board with that, then they're aligning themselves with MAGA and they're trying very hard to get away from MAGA. So I don't think they'll get enough Republican votes to even impeach them. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. And I think, and hopefully calmer, cooler heads will prevail and it will be used for the reason it it was, you know, put in the constitution, you know, for very serious situations that are, are needed, like insurrection, like, you know, uh, possibly working for another country, uh, like, you know what, I'm not articulating it very well, but like, well, you know, what happened in Ukraine, us possibly withholding, um, weapons and, and different things. So impeachment is great if it's needed, you know, but again, it's not for every president. I mean, no president is going to be flawless. Every president's going to make mistakes. We're going to have soldiers die in foreign countries. You know, it's a shitty, tough job in a lot of ways, but it needs to be there when it needs to be there. And I don't think there's a lot of rational people that would disagree that insurrection is, is a pretty damn good reason to have a, have an impeachment. Yeah, you know, that's that's the one argument I always have with people. Whenever I talk to a MAGA fuck, uh, they'll come to me and, and I'll mention the insurrection. Yeah, but what about Black Lives, Ma- uh, Black Lives Matter burning down our cities? And I have to say to him, step back. Do you understand the difference here? Something horrible happens to uh, a race of people and they rise up and they riot. That's not a good thing. I was not happy about watching that. I was not happy about that happening, that riot. But that is a vast difference from somebody trying to overthrow our country. They're not even comparable. Riots happen in this country and have. I grew up in the 60s. There were fucking riots every week. So they happen. They're not good. We don't want them. But you can't compare them to trying to overthrow fucking democracy. It's just not even close. Uh, right. It's willful ignorance to even make that comparison because, you know, there's a difference between an organic, organically speaking, a group of people upset who come to protest. Now, God forbid we all hate it when those protests turn violent. We hate it when those protests turn into trashing, burning buildings. You know, it's sad. Nobody wants that. No rational person wants, you know, a legal demonstration to turn into that. But yes, to your point, there's nothing similar about an organic riot that happens versus somebody who's uh, an exiting president of the United States, basically organizing an insurrection to overthrow the constitution and our way of life. That is very different. Well, and, and and the interesting thing is when, when it first happened on January 6, 2021, they tried to give us the impression that it was just a bunch of people that got caught up in it and charged the Capitol. And what the January 6 committee did so effectively is showed us uh, was a bigger plan than that. I mean, they had the fake electors. They had Jenny Thomas going into the White House. They had a war room at the Mayflower Motel. This was very strategically planned. And the interesting thing is, 
most of the planning happened even before the election, even before he lost. He knew he was going to lose, so he already started the plan to somehow uh, discredit the 2020 election. Yeah, and and that's another one of the things that really makes you bang your head against the wall when you're talking to MAGA folks. Look, he said that he won the popular election in uh, in twenty or in uh, twenty sixteen, right? right? Like right. he's lied about this type of thing since he's been you know in politics. He said if he lost, it would be rigged. If he won, it was fine. I mean, again, this is not a you know. He, we lost the election and here's some evidence that something might've been shady. And we looked at it and you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, this is a situation where he talked about for months, there's audio clips of him saying basically that, uh, that they cheated and it's fake if he loses well before the election. And he even, you know, he would, he predict not predicted, but it was just uh, something that always sort of happens is that a lot of the smaller rural places come in early and a lot of the urban votes come in later so he was saying if i have a lead early in the night uh that's the real votes and then when the others that's going to be the fake cheating votes so i mean and he had enough knowledge to just muddy the water so much for folks that maybe aren't that political and get their news from facebook and just really mind fuck a lot of people but to your point this is something that he had planned well before the election this was not a organic situation where he felt like oh uh, maybe there was something fishy about this i mean it, it, i think every critical thinker knows how much bullshit this was especially when I, I couldn't give you the exact number but dozens of his own judges that he appointed said look there's nothing there's no there there that's crazy yeah they just said yeah. that's fucking crazy as somebody who's kind of more moderate you you maybe can relate to this and i've said this all along on the podcast and on TikToks, people will say to me, well, you're just a Democrat libtard. And, and I've always said, I don't belong to any fucking team. I don't belong to any club at this point. Republicans are the dumpster fire. We got to focus on that to get that put out. And the Democrats are the only people that can do that. So for the moment, I'm siding with the Democrats, but I think the reason Donald Trump, and this is a flag that that government and both parties should take a look at. One of the main reasons why Donald Trump was elected is because people were sick of establishment politics. And Hillary Clinton, as much as she was disliked for any number of reasons, she represented establishment politics. So the the public is saying, the way you're doing government now, we fucking hate. And now if the Republican Party goes down and is just completely out of the out of out of play i'm concerned about that too because i'm not fully confident in the democrats doing everything they're supposed to do if they have complete power we have to have two strong parties to really have a democracy and i don't want republicans to die i just want them to kind of try to switch to be more like they once were as much as you may have hated them at least they were reasonable well, yeah, and I, we've had, you know, we've had a dozen podcasts on, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020 and what douchebags that we feel like when George W. Bush was the worst thing we'd ever seen. Like, right. Jesus, man, in the middle of Donald Trump's term, what you wouldn't have given to have W back in the White House. I mean, again, that was a time where you didn't like some of the policy and you weren't sure about some of the, the stuff going on with the war, normal stuff in a democracy that you can say, I don't like this policy. I wish we weren't in this war, normal things, you know, 
<laughs> during Trump, it was, you know, again, it was a like a, a nightmare fever dream of these crazy allegations. And every person that left the campaign or his administration writing a book detailing all this stuff that was just scary and horrible constantly. And this, you know, that was his folks. So, yeah, we definitely need two good, strong parties. And you do hope and would love to see, you know, Republicans turn into, um, oh, my gosh, uh, all their names are, are slipping my mind right now. But basically every political presidential candidate for the last 20 years would all be wonderful. Mitt Romney, John McCain, right? anybody in the Bush family, like Jeb Bush exclamation point. What I wouldn't give to have had four years with Jeb exclamation mark. You know, what we got was so much worse. I mean, but to your point, like, yeah, we do need the, we do need the two strong parties, but I don't think, I I do feel like I'm a strong Democrat. You know, I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm close to switching, but I do feel like as an open-minded people are, I am open to new information. And Mm. if, you know, and if our party became the party of, you know, Trump, if, if our party became the party of fake news and not believing facts and not being reasonable, then yeah, you know, I, I am malleable and open enough to say, look, I, I've, I vote for Republicans probably uh, every election. You know, I have the benefit locally of meeting some of these guys and I know a Republican's going to do a better job at game warden and I'm going to vote for him. Right. But at, at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, I do feel pretty entrenched in the, in the Democrat party, as long as Trump is is the alternative or Trumpism is the alternative, for sure. Well, people keep talking about the 2024 election. And, and I always I always say, Jesus Christ, if you've watched any presidential election, you know, two years out, we don't know fucking anything. Everybody's right. worried about Donald Trump wanting for for reelection in 2024. And some people are convinced that he's going to do it. I just don't see it. I think he might be legally precluded from doing it. I think he will see that he's going to get his ass kicked and he won't take the chance. I'll see that he may not even be healthy enough. I mean, think about this. He's 70. He'll be 78 years old in, in 2024. Uh, uh He's not in the best physical condition in spite of what his doctor claims. <laughs> he eats Big Macs all day. And this guy is going to have so much stress and fear hanging over his head for the next two years. Do we really think he's going to be healthy enough to run for fucking president? Not to mention the Republicans won't allow him to be the candidate. Yeah, I think the party's moving away from him. And I, I can't imagine what would necessarily bring them all back i mean yeah you're gonna have your fucking marjorie taylor greens of the world that are always gonna you know be trump fucks to you to to borrow your phrase but yeah you, you do hope that any number of these various reasons will will keep trump from running and again knock on wood i don't feel like there's enough sane people unless we run joe biden's dog right. that would vote for you know that would that would elect donald trump as president ever again i mean even if you liked a lot or some of his policies I think the mental exhaustion of all of it is too much for a lot of sane folks. Well, I, I think I think uh, with all that's coming out now, I think the MAGA, the MAGA group will crash ultimately, and they'll have to head back under their rocks, and then the Republicans will have to try to redeem themselves. And I think this is where Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger have been pretty smart by sticking to their guns. They're going to be the leaders 
of whatever attempt is to redeem and rehabilitate the Republican Party. Unfortunately, when you've let it go this far, it may take 10 to 20 years for them to get back to where they were. So that puts the Democrats pretty well in the driver's seat, I think, in 2024, to say the least. I definitely feel that way. And then then we have this other fact that that is promising for getting rid of MAGA and that fucking attitude. We know that the Gen Zers and the millennials really stepped up in the last election in 2022. We know in 2024, there's going to be more Gen Zs and millennials voting. But the fact I heard was that in 2028, the majority of the voters will be Gen Zs and millennials. Then the Republicans are fucked. 70% of those folks voted for Democrats. So the Republicans can see they're hanging by a thread. They're in a precarious situation. They can't win after that. Yeah, I I definitely think all evidence uh, supports that. And you're going to have to see if and what counter moves Republicans are going to make. I mean, if you're just going to try to continue to restrict voting from folks, that are they going to try to raise the voting age to 21 or disallow black folks from voting or I don't know. I mean, you hope that maybe their policies will just change enough that they will attract younger, smarter voters. I mean, I think we all want to see two smart parties with differences of opinion on certain issues as opposed to crazy versus less crazy. So it's going to be fascinating to your point, because, yeah, as voters get younger, that definitely does not tend to skew right. Absolutely. Well, Tristan, we are... uh running long you know and i always say that we're running long but it's my show i run fucking long <laughs> as i want i don't give a shit i i, I don't follow rules nice. um but but i want to i want to appreciate i want to say i appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this as i've you can relate to this as i've told people as much as it's nice to have guests on uh and and hear their perspectives and it, it's been great hearing your perspective as a true radio guy this makes my job fucking easier. I only have to do half the work when I have a guest on. So thank you for giving me a little respite here in my uh, podcasting. Mike, I so much appreciate the invite and your voice is a treasure. Uh, you know what? I just uh, look forward to seeing you on TikTok and Facebook, which are my two big platforms, but I see you constantly on there and it just, it makes me happy. I'm scrolling. I'm sitting in the hot tub. I stop. I'm like, let's listen to what Mike's got to say. And a man, just, Keep doing what you're doing, and I, and I hope I'm still listening to you in 50 years from now because, I mean, I, I just – I really love your voice. It's such a unique and thoughtful, smart voice. Man, you just kill it every day, and, and I'm grateful to that, that you're a part of my zeitgeist now. Well, I appreciate that very much, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I had the opportunity to come out and do something and, and, and have people – resonate with it i I, i'm just doing what i do i I, i'm not trying to game the system and try to do all these things to relate to the uh algorithm i just said this is going to be the test i'm going to sit down in my living room i'm just going to fucking talk and we'll see where it goes and fortunately there's enough crazy freaks out there that want to listen and i appreciate that well, I don't, I don't know about crazy or freaks, but I think there's <laughs> an, enough sane folks left that, that they do look for that, uh, that rational voice, you know, in a sea of bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tristan, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Those folks that uh, are listening, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the whole show. Uh, I hope you have a great day. And uh, of course, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Mm-hmm.
Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.